Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I do thank you for Advent. Thank you that it prepares us for your coming in the glorious obscurity of Bethlehem. But it also points us forward for that time when you will come as Lord and King and Judge. And the whole world will acknowledge you and every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord. Help us to be ready, to be ready both to celebrate the word made flesh and the coming of the King. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. As I mentioned, we're in the second Sunday in Advent. So we are thinking today about, uh, particularly about the, the concept of peace and what does it mean to be at peace. Last week, I know you celebrated hope together. Really uh, grateful for Richard uh, preaching and, and bringing that um, uh, that uh, uh, hoe thing, which I saw briefly at the end, which is very, very cool. Um, uh, and today we're thinking about peace and what might peace mean, both in Scripture and for us. I'm sure you don't need me to tell you that peace is more than the absence of conflict. Clearly, when you are in conflict, and we continue to remember and pray for the nation of Ukraine and other nations around the world who are experiencing conflict. And we do pray for peace in the sense of an end of conflict for them. But in scripture, peace is far more than simply the absence of conflict, the absence of armed violence. Uh, the Hebrew word shalom, beautiful deep, wonderful word, describes an experience of being in right relationship. When things are set right, when you are at peace, peace with God, peace with those around you, peace with yourself, peace with creation. And the words which Joe read for us this morning from Isaiah remind us that this is an experience which we look forward to. Isaiah speaks about uh, someone who's going to come from the house of Jesse. And uh, Jesse, of course, was uh, David's father. So here is a prediction, a prophecy about a son of David from the royal household of Israel who's going to be anointed by the Spirit of the Lord. And as this person is anointed, so they will have these wonderful characteristics. They will act justly and on behalf of the poor and the needy. There is something uh, profound, uh, there's something more than human about this person. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breast of his lips he will slay the wicked. For us as Christians reading this passage 
some two and a half thousand years later, it's impossible to read it in any other way as predicting and looking forward to the coming of Christ himself. And as this Messiah comes, so he will bring about this incredible rule and reign which is so profound that even the animals, the animals will be swept up into it. And you've got these uh, beautiful pictures of, uh, of pairings who normally would be prey and predator. Now they lie down together. I know some people say, well, if the wolf will lie down with the lamb, I bet the wolf got a better night's sleep than the lamb. Okay? But that's unfair, because that's not what the, what the prophecy is saying. The point is, everyone, everyone is going to be touched by this restoration of relationship. That fear will be driven out. That there will be an end to violence and killing of all sorts. It is a beautiful, beautiful vision, isn't it, of what will happen when the Messiah comes and his reign and his rule is known in all the world. They will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. This is what we are looking forward to when Jesus returns again as Lord and King and Judge, and all will be put right. It is a beautiful vision, picture, image of what we yearn for. And so when we sing, come Lord Jesus, we are praying that he will come, as the early Christians did. Come Lord Jesus and put all things right. This has been the prayer of the church for 2,000 years. But you might be sitting there thinking, but it's not like that there. That, that, it's not like that yet, is it? The world seems anything like that. And anyway, what have all these words, these beautiful words from Isaiah, got to do with John the Baptist and his rather scary message about axes cutting down trees and, and, and winnowing forks and unquenchable fire. How is this vision of what will be related to what John says? What John says is that there is one to come. He makes it very clear, doesn't he? That there's one coming whose sandals I am not worthy to carry or to other gospel writers says, I'm not even worthy to untie them. There is one who is coming. There is a king on the way. And John makes it very clear that in order to be ready for the coming of the king, people need to repent. You see, the peace which the Messiah will bring 
is not a cheap peace. It's not the case that Jesus will do it all and we just turn up to enjoy the party. Jesus does and will, of course, on the cross, do the parts that only he can do. But we are then called to play our part in the coming of the King. The message of peace that the scriptures give us is not one that's there, there, everything will be all right. It's far more there, there, is everything right. The challenge of the king, the challenge of the coming of the king, is to ask us to be ready, to be ready for his reign of peace, to be ready for the restoration of relationship when all is put right, when we are put right with him, when we are put right with one another, when we are put right with ourselves, when we are put right with creation itself. And just as John says, we are called to repentance. We are called to play our part. And of course, repentance can be very painful. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I am not uh, asking us to, 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 as it were, beat ourselves up this morning. I don't think that's a very healthy thing to do. But what I am asking us all to do is to hear the words of John again and come afresh under the touch of God's Spirit and to ask, is it right? And to be honest, most of us know whether it is or not. We can feel it. Whether we are right with him, whether we are right with others, whether we are right with ourselves. And, and, and John makes it very clear that, that whatever our past, whatever our, our pedigree, we can't stand on that. When he's talking about this, 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 uh, um, this axe, he's saying, look, there needs to be fruit. We can't just say that, that we're somehow a member of something or our, our family has been a member of something. Do not think you can say to yourself, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. For those who are standing on their laurels, for depending on their past or their pedigree. This has no place in the coming of the king. It is our hearts in front of him. As I say, I don't think we need to beat ourselves up. But we do need to come afresh and to ask for the Spirit's touch to lead us into those places of repentance where things need putting right so that we can then taste the peace, the shalom of God. We begin to take our part in that vision 
that we begin to experience now as it will be then. And if you want to ask me at the end whether I think that means we should all be vegetarians, that's a different conversation, okay? We pray, don't we? We ask the Lord for his renewal and his revival. And I pray that God will come and renew and revive us as, as his people in this place. That he will pour out his spirit on us. That we will experience more and more of him. But those who know more about this uh, than I do I say that often when the, when the church has experienced an outpouring of God's spirit, it is after it has had a deep and sometimes painful experience of repentance of coming before Christ and asking for forgiveness. Peace with God comes through repentance, being put right, changing our minds, our hearts, our lives, this turning around, not just saying sorry, but coming to him and asking for his cleansing and his transformation. And then, and then in a sense, the real work starts. Because then he sends us out to be his peacemakers. Remember those words from... Uh, that Jesus will say in just a couple of verses, a couple of chapters in, in Matthew's Gospel. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. That as we have been called to repentance, so we then, in God's grace and by God's power, call others to repentance. Call others to peace, that we become the ones through which he will create his peace here and now. And do you know what? That's really, really hard work. Because generally people don't want to hear the call to repentance. They don't want to hear the call that takes them out of their bunkers and asks them to find reconciliation and forgiveness. But that is the privilege that we have as children of the King. That we say, just as we have found peace, so we are then called to be peacemakers. So this vision, this vision of what it will be like, this beautiful, beautiful picture that Isaiah gives us, the amazing truth is that that has begun in Jesus. In the cross, it begins to, to reach out to the world. And we have the opportunity to step into that, to know his peace here and now. John tells us how to get ready for it. He tells us to repent deep and real personal and powerful repentance that we can then know the joy of sins forgiven that we live in a culture that doesn't forgive people does it if a politician 
or a celebrity or somebody in the public eye messes up, we all remember it, always. God doesn't forgive like that. When he forgives, he washes it clean. There's even a suggestion in the the book of Jeremiah that, that, that God somehow forgets what we've done. He will remember our sins no more. It's a beautiful, beautiful verse. Jeremiah 31, 34. If you're haunted by guilt, okay, and sometimes I am, okay, go and read that one. That the forgiveness of God is so profound. How does God forget something? How can he forget something? I don't know. But that's what his forgiveness is like. So that we can know peace, real peace. And we can then be peacemakers for others. May God grant that you know his peace this Advent. Amen. I'm going to turn to our prayers.